Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime podcast for Wednesday, October 1st, 2019. Don't rush it. It's not Wednesday. It's not? No, today's Tuesday. Oh, oh snap. <laughs> it's Tuesday. That's right. Tuesday, October 1st, 2019. I'm so used to being on Wednesdays. Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> but we have to make the switch, um, which we'll explain momentarily. Uh, I am your host, Victor Omoyo, and with me, as always, is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. Uh, I'm still recovering. Yes. Um, if if you hear uh, if you hear <clears throat> Carl the depression in Carl's voice, it's because he had to down a whole can of White Claw on Facebook Live just before we hit record record on our special Skype episode, which will be uploading on Facebook Live as well. Um, so, uh, you, you look as bad as you feel, huh? Yeah, yeah, that, I, I look just like that Michael Jordan crying meme that I made of, my, made of myself. Yeah, man, yeah, I, I feel you, I feel you. And, uh, joining us in the studio, well, all the way from New Jersey. Hey! Um, yes, special guest in the building, friend of the show, uh... What up? A friend of, well, she's part of the Party Nerds podcast, she is yeah. Patricia Figueroa. What up, what up? Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, trust me, pleasure is all our. The pleasure is all ours. Yes. Oh. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Thank. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Um, sure. And also, uh, like I mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago, um, yes, this is our first Tuesday episode of the Codex Prime podcast uh, in a great long while, uh, because uh, tomorrow night, starting on Wednesdays, AEW All Elite Wrestling is going to be making its debut on TNT. 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Uh, we can't miss that. Okay, Eddie so, from UWO. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, Eddie, Eddie Ortiz, a friend of the show, UWO podcast. Check them out. Uh, he is a diehard uh, AEW acolyte. So the, the, the leader of the AEW militia. Who's yep. not going to the show next week? Well, that's too bad. I guess he doesn't have time. I did. I'm going. Well, you know. Oh, you're going? Yes, oh, I am. Well, Eddie's, Eddie's got kids, so, you know. Okay. But uh, but <laughs> but yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna be on Tuesdays our show, uh, henceforth, and uh, next week's episode we'll be talking a bit about our thoughts on the UW on the not the UW but on the AEW uh, <laughs> debut show uh, uh next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but yeah, let's get into it. Uh, right here and now. Um, where should we start? Should, should we start um, with uh what? I do got like well, I do got one. Thing I wanted to review. Okay. Usually, like when I have guests, I just try to keep my reviews like to a very film minimum. Sure. But this is a show on Netflix. It was actually an original uh, CW show. It was called Two Sentence Horror Stories. Okay. It's basically yeah. the love. De- it's like Love, Death, and Robots, but horror movies. Okay. So That's an cool. anthology series. Each series starts off with like a sentence, and then you get the story. Sorry about that. And then, an- then the finishing sentence. Mm-hmm. So I mean, some of them stories was actually pretty good. I know one person I recommend I recognized from the show was um, I forgot her name, but she played um, Madame Gao in Daredevil and Defenders. Oh yeah, I forget the actress's name, but I know who you're talking. Yeah, about. but she yeah she was uh, featured in one of the stories too. One story that was actually really good was um this guy this guy he was a serial killer and he would always he would only prey on single moms. Oh really? Yeah, like that's the that's what the, that was the first episode. Huh. Ten wow. episodes. <laughs> you pray on single moms <laughs> and stuff. But then it ended up backfiring on them. But it was like I'm like, damn, this dude's fucking crazy. How many episodes? Ten. Well, you said it's 
10, like 10, 15 minutes to half hour episodes. Okay. Wow. I mean. Sounds legit. Yeah, like if you want like a quick binge watch, go for it. All right. And it's on. Uh, it's on Netflix, Netflix, right? Okay. Cool. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As for me, um, haven't been up to a whole lot. Um, there are a couple movies that I am looking forward to, uh, which I'll review on the podcast next week as well. Joker. Uh, Joker's coming out this Friday. Too. I can't wait to see it. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. can't wait for that. Um, also, uh, on Netflix, Eddie Murphy's new movie, Dolomite Is My Name. Also, drop That's on a Netflix experience? Yeah. Exclusive? Okay. Yeah, drop it on Netflix. Oh, I just hadn't heard of it. Okay. Yeah, so uh, Eddie Murphy, uh, it's a biopic on Rudy Ray Moore. So Eddie Murphy's playing that. It's gotten some terrific reviews so far. So I'll be checking that out this weekend. Um, also checked out a new uh, trailer for Birds of Prey. I haven't just even dropped. seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen the uh, the new trailer for Birds of Prey? I haven't, not yet. Um, I have to go on YouTube. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's it looks intriguing. I'm I'm curious about it. It's coming out in February, so it looks like um, uh, DC's continuing that uh, trend of you know silently uh, walking away from the DC extended universe, like Suicide Squad. Thank you, Jesus. Right. Yeah, so basically this Harley Quinn's it seems like a soft reboot. Um, okay. But it, it seems to have an interesting cast. Uh, Ewan McGregor's the main villain. Which is which wow. is an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Journey Smollett, uh, Bell is in it. Uh, Journey Smollett, okay. Yeah, uh, you know the sister of uh, the French actor known as uh, Juicy Smollett. Smollett. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, God, that, that'll never get old. No. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's coming out February. But yeah, the trailer looks really interesting. I'm 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 really liking DC's uh, continued push into standalone uh, movies. That me too. People are complaining about it, but I think it's great. We don't, yeah. in my opinion, we don't want everybody doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. like, Marvel's got a thing unlock, and that's great. But there is a place, in my opinion, for these self-contained movies and worlds. Because somebody made an interesting point. Like, if, if I showed my mom the Joker movie, and mm-hmm. I never said that he was the Joker, my mom would have been like, oh, that was a really interesting movie about a man who had problems and he was shut out by society. You wouldn't even necessarily know. That it was from a comic book world. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's like a, a different direction to go in. Like I would hate for everybody to do the same thing. So I totally uh, agree with that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I, and I like uh, the DC doing these little standalone uh, movies that kind of explore the character in unique ways. Um, I am intrigued uh, about the co- controversy that it's been getting on social media and uh, well, i.e., film Twitter. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. like, oh, if you like the Joker, then you like, then though this movie, uh, uh, it's not needed at this at this time, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it it makes a it makes a lone white man sympathetic, and you know, you know how violent they can be, and if you like it, then you're an incel, blah blah blah. I really think uh. it's so weird though, because those same people will then say we should never censor art, no mm. matter what it is, no matter how offensive. I will give examples. I don't know, you know what I mean. What you guys' policy is on this show. Yeah. But they'll defend things that are so-called extreme. But then it's like, well, an incel might see Joker and see him as a hero. So so what? So the movie doesn't come out. So we're not allowed to make the movie. It's just so interesting that they're saying that when it's like art is supposed to be freedom, right? Like, I hope nobody shoots it. They're like, who would want that? But it doesn't mean that we don't make the movie or release it. So I've seen that, too. And I find it it's almost like disturbing to me. Because then you're like, um, muzzling people right and you're yeah. and you're deciding what comes out and what people can see so yeah, oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. And mind you, like those same people who are uh, throwing um, all these moralistic uh, criticisms against uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, these are the same people that have that are still praising Heath Ledger's performance. You know, and I'm and I'm sure back then people said similar things about that. And, I, and I'm and I'm pretty sure back in '89 uh, people had some criticisms criticisms about uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker, saying that oh, won't somebody think of the children? Like, well, back then it wasn't there was no Twitter back then. Right. That's it. So everybody. But, you know, know, but it's the same like mindset. So that person back then yeah. who couldn't like, I, but who couldn't complain? I'll say it that way on Twitter. I'm sure they were getting it out somehow. Like, that's where, like, you would see people interviewing. I know it's off topic, but when Madonna came out with Like a Prayer video, they were going up to people on the street, and they were like, what do you think? And it's like, how dare she have a black Jesus? How dare this? You know, so it's like there's always that mentality of the person who, like you said, what about little Timmy? Like, Ed will say that because he plays video games. And it's like, little Timmy shouldn't be buying Call of Duty if he's, you know, it's kind of like, that freak out where you always pretend like it's for a child's safety or concern where a lot of times there's more going on, right? It's people who just, like we're saying, don't want to see that movie or that music video or whatever it may be. And safety of children is always kind of a convenient excuse to throw out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at the, and at the end of the day, man, it's like if, if, if one happens to be so, so fragile that they're influenced that their actions are influenced by a film or or one work of art that they're influenced to do something uh, wild and violent and crazy then quite frankly that person doesn't need much much of an excuse to do those things like that person could have easily been like inspired by i don't know like a freaking trash bag blowing in the breeze like an american beauty and they uh-huh. might they might do something wild anyway so it's not you can't really blame uh the works of art you know for right for whatever somebody decides to do. Yeah, people just, re- they just need to put, they need to play, place blame on something. Mm. Uh-huh. So, boom, here we it's go. It's like a yeah. medium target. I mean, honestly, even uh, video games sometimes, and I have different opinions. Maybe me and Eddie aren't exactly the same because I feel like video games are kind of more interactive versus like um, a movie, right? Yeah. Like you are pulling a, tr- you know, whatever, right? Like there was a game where you were torturing a guy. And you were hitting the X button repeatedly. I don't game, right? Yeah. But you were being asked on the screen, do you want to continue? That's a little bit like, wow, right? Like, I don't know if that's the same as watching Saw because I feel like there's a thing there. But to the point of like, I'm not saying that video game made somebody kill somebody. And that's where it goes off the rails. And it's easier than actually looking at the problems. Like, not to get all serious, but it's mental health awareness month. And some of the real problems is like, okay, but people underutilize like mental health resources and there is a stigma still attached to saying you're depressed, you have anxiety. A lot of the people who commit these shootings, not all of them, um, but do have mental health illnesses that when they look back, we're never treated. So right. that's like the difficult stuff. It's so much easier to just say this violent, gory game or whatever the case might be caused somebody to shoot up a mall or whatever it is. So yeah, I agree with you guys completely. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. So well, I was gonna move on to oh, yeah. you know, so to get to know you, Patricia, aka eighty three line forever. Right. Which I'm I, okay, I you gotta kill my curiosity. Where did the name where where did the handle come from? Yeah, it's so funny because when I give it to my coworkers, they're like eighty three line, L I N E, so they can't yeah. understand. So I, I am into K pop. So um, my favorite group is Super Junior. So in Korea, 
they a lot of importance is placed on the year that you're born. It depends. It determines how you address people if they're older than you, you're you're young or you're ani, etc. So there are two guys in the group that are the oldest guys that were born in 1983. So people that are into their friendship or whatever it might be, just say that they're 83 line. So I know it sounds a little because we don't really do that with our groups over here. Yeah. So that's what 83 line forever means. It's he tall and Lita because they were both born in 1983. So they call that a line over there. So again, we just don't have those concepts here, but yeah. they'll say that's the young line because they're the oldest guys. Oh, okay. Okay. But yeah, for, yeah, Patty, tell us, you know, tell us, tell us some, you know, more about yourself, you know, how, you know, the things that you do. Like, I know we're going to get into um, your Asian fan fiction. That I still I started reading some of it, but I just get it's been a very distracting weekend. <laughs> <And I> was... <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, so yeah, I mean, basically, end of the day, like I started writing actually way back in 2010, but I couldn't finish the story. So I probably had anywhere from like 30 to 40 stories where I would start them. I'd have all these ideas. I'd be scribbling them or I'd be typing them up. Then I'd either write myself into a corner or I'd get another idea. And then I'd start writing that. So I went through this like period and then I was just, I kind of got burned out, right? Like that's a lot of stories in my opinion to just never have one get completed, right? So I got burned out. I was like, you know what? I just don't want to do this for the foreseeable future. And then in 2017, um, I got an idea for a story. It is, it was based around the 83 line relationship that I was telling you guys between Heechul and Lee Tuck and Super Junior. Yeah. Um, taking liberties. I mean, it is fan fiction. So again, I know not everyone gets that because it's about real people, but it was just an idea I had. So um, understanding it's not matching up with their real lives, but I got this idea about Heechul being a bartender and Lee Tuck being a college dropout who was depressed. And he walks into the bar that he's worked at one night. So it turned into a 30,000 word story. So not that long, but I was like, hey, I finished it. I was like, that's more than I ever did in 2010. And it was almost a decade later. So from there, I started writing more and more stories and they became pretty fantastical. Like I have stories that involve God, Michael, Lucifer, demons, um, mutants. Vampires, Incubi, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, but the central characters are usually super junior members. So, again, I know not everybody gets that. Usually, um, if you go on the site, I mentioned Asian fanfics, you'll see a lot of stories that are slice of life. So it's more like regular stuff, right? Like, Lita works at Starbucks, Lita comes in every day. That stuff is fine, but it doesn't interest me anymore. I became very interested in writing um, what we refer to as genre stories. So supernatural, horror, fantasy, sci-fi, things like that. So that's what I've been writing. I've written about 450,000 words um, since 2017. Um, I'm working on a story right now called Save Me From Myself. Um, it's like a dystopian setting, kind of the best way I can describe it. And then I have another story called Bonded that... I kind of put on the shelf just so I could finish saving from myself. Right. But that's the one that is supernatural. It's got like vampires and all this other stuff in it. So that's kind of what I've been up to. Um, I write all weekend, right? So it's like I go to work and then on the weekend I, I write maybe 10, 15, sometimes 20 hours um, mm. between Saturday and Sunday. Um, I have outlines. So like everybody has a different process for what I've seen. But I have very, very detailed outlines. 
So they're bulleted points and just really go through the story. But yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, I'm just really, really into them. I might try to get them published at some point. Um, it's kind of hard to say, but that's really where I'm kind of at with my stories right now. Okay. And and I was going to ask uh, what your process was like is like uh, in creating a uh, different story. So you say that you outline, like, do you plot out every last detail of the uh, character backstories and like the plot of the story, or do you kind of like, uh, kind of like wing it as you go, like, or what, what's the process like? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, it's funny because Stephen King, who like, if you write, like, he's like a writing god, you know, <laughs> he has said that he basically doesn't respect people that outline because it's not the real way to write. And I really kind of hated that quote, right? Or the comment from him, because he's somebody that, you know, he kind of goes off the top of his head, he fills it out. For me though, to answer your question, I do outline everything. So I get an idea for a plot and then I just start to kind of fill it out, but then everything is put into my outline. So it's not that I won't deviate from it though, that's something else people don't get. Like they think that I'm just like locked in. Um, it might kind of play some kind of part in your mind, right? Like if you've got this long outline, you might start to think like, okay, that's it and it's final. I'm open to it though. Like I change things. If I'm writing it 20,000 words later, I'm like, you know what? This doesn't make sense anymore. You know, like I, I wrote this in my outline six months ago, but it's just not fitting the story. But yeah, like it's a bulleted point. I kind of figure out what are the major plot points and then it's just like filling in what's in between but it's very uh, detailed. So I'm usually like dropping the outline into like the story itself and then writing it out from there. Okay. Yeah. So why, um, why Asian fan fiction? Yeah, it's a good question because I've had people ask me, like I was in a writing group. Uh, I, I don't really go anymore but for a couple of months and they were like, your stories are pretty intricate from what you're telling us. So why do you still base them off of super junior? members right so their question was like why don't you move over to original fiction i get the question and it's not that i couldn't um it's just i don't know they like inspire me i know that sounds weird because as i say it's a boy band but it's yeah. just the truth um as i said I, I tried to write a lot of stories before with a lot of different original characters it just fizzled out sometimes it wasn't always that i wrote myself into a corner they would fizzle out or I wouldn't feel it. And um, with He Cho, Lee Tuck, She Wan, those are kind of some of the guys in the group. It's some kind of like a grounding force. Because the thing is, though, it, it is like my own stories. I think people don't get that, right? So like if you're writing Star Wars fan fiction, my, my sister did that for a long time, you're still playing in someone else's like established universe, right? Even right. if you change things. I'm creating all these stories, though. And it's like from story to story, the guys' personalities change. It's not like he is always the same. And you know what I mean? So I guess I kind of don't know if that really answered it, but that's kind of like why I'm doing this. Maybe at some point I'll feel differently and I will write an original fiction, but I like writing about them. Um, and a lot of authors actually come from this place. I've noticed that. Like, um, you know, you'll see like a movie coming out or a really popular YA story. And if you kind of look into it, it's like, oh, she was on Wattpad two years ago writing like One Direction fan fiction. Um, so, yeah, it's a great question, but I kind of think that's where I'm at with it right now. Hmm. Right. Interesting. And um, and as far as uh, also as far as like your writing process goes, um, uh, how often uh, do you write? Do you uh, tend to like write a little bit each day or like, do you like find some inspiration to kind of like free write to generate ideas? 
That's a really good question, too. Um, I'm very, very structured. So I've had people kind of tell us that sometimes, like maybe you're a little too structured, but I write every Saturday. Um, that's when I do my updates. So on the website that I linked you guys to, Asian yeah. Fanfics, um, I've got about 5,000 subscribers spread out over all of my stories. Wow. So I've got about 10 stories. So I try to update for them once a week. It's anywhere from like a 3,000 to 7,000 word update. That can take anywhere from, let's say, three to six plus hours to do. Um, but then sometimes you're outlining. It kind of depends where you're at. So right now, save me for myself, that outline's been done for about a month. So now I'm just going in on Saturday, I'm moving the stuff on the outline over, and then I'm fleshing it out, I'm writing the scenes out and stuff like that. I don't write every day, um, it's mainly because I do have arthritis, so it would be a little bit much with my job. Um, but like I said, it's a great question, because sometimes you want to just kind of see, like I said, be a little bit freeform, right? I don't tend to be like that, um, but I think there's a place for that too, just to kind of see if you have random ideas going on. So yeah, but that's a great question. Nice. Okay. Now, um, they were, okay, you, um, you gave me a warning before, you know, you sent me the link. And, um, yeah, so I was like, I had, obviously, you know, I had no problem with it. I was still reading it. But I was like, yeah, so what made you, like, decide to take those tones, you know, take those tones with your stories? No, totally fair. And I've had people tell me that it's a he legitimizes me as a writer. Um, I've had people tell me, like, it takes away everything. So, like, no matter how intricate the plot is, it's all gone because it's rated. I don't know another way, so I don't want to get to whatever. Yeah. Um, honestly, as weird as it might sound, it's what I see in my mind. I hope that doesn't come off wrong. I'm really yeah. not. I don't know how people would take that. I'm not some kind of a crazy person or anything. But um, when I think of the love story within the plot, the plots, right? So like, so, so, so for genetic, right? That yeah. was a story about um, Heechul having superhuman powers and he doesn't know why, right? So he yeah. gets kidnapped and he doesn't know who's kidnapped him. It kind of goes from there, right? So understandably, someone could say like, why do you need rated scenes in that? And I get that. I guess you don't need anything though, right? Like we could, I could say, why did we need the strong, bloody violence in Joker, right? Like Jokers are... And if you look at the reason, so I'm not saying it's needed, but it's what I see. And I have to see, I have to write what I feel and what right. I see. So might be kind of a weird answer, but um, I don't think it takes away from the complexities of some of the plots, though. Because there's pretty heavy plotting in some of my stories. Like I said, that's a super legit question. I know no one in my family would ever be okay with what I write. Um, but for me, it's just what I write. I have to be real. Like I wouldn't want to see it and then skip it. So yeah, that actually made me think. Like when you gave me the warning, I instantly this came to mind from this episode of South Park when I thought um, it was like I think I want to say like Clyde and Butters. Or, yeah. I forgot which two characters, but they like these young Asian artists would draw draw them and. How can I say this? <laughs> oh, I, oh, I think it was like the episode like they they were drawing like the other uh, characters in South Park as anime versions. Yeah, anime versions, but they were all like okay. gay. Yeah. yeah. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And everybody like legitimately thought that they were like together, where those two characters had to pretend to break up, mm-hmm. and then it just made everybody so sad. 
Mm-hmm. They even play that song, Say Something. <laughs> and, you know, it was actually a really good episode, though. Yeah, but, um, I remember that one, yeah. That's and, like, yeah, they, everybody was so sad about it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, like, my initial thought about it. So, I'm like, okay, it's just kind of, well, I guess people yeah, do. Yeah, and I think yeah. something else really quick I'd like to add on to that. There is a category, you guys might be aware because you're nerds, right? There's something called Yaoi Manga. That's what, that's what it was manga. called. Okay, that's what, okay. Boys Love Manga, and it's similar to my stories, though, and I'm a huge fan, right? But yeah. it's not all of them, but a lot of them do have heavy plotting. You have the ones, like I said, that are slice of life, really simple, high school, whatever. Yeah. Totally got it. But you do have the ones that are more like mine, that are really heavy plotting, different genres. So there's an audience for it. I know a lot of people would think it's weird or like, Patty, why can't you just cut away? Like, I had somebody ask me that. Like, why can't you fake black? And it's like, again, it's like, I don't know. I don't hear people asking, like, why couldn't Punisher fake black? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like people don't ask it really of violence. Um, and, and it's like a lot more with sex. Hopefully that's okay that I just said it. Um, they ask a lot more of that. So I'm not saying one is more valid than the other, but it's interesting to me. Because no matter how gory something is, I feel like sometimes I'll be the only one who'll be like, damn, that was violent. And it's like, who cares? But it's like, you didn't have to show all of that, right? To show it. Like, that's Marvel's argument now, right? That they have, like, they have the rights to the shows now, right? Yeah. Um, You know, so it's not going to be, okay, so like Blade. I, you guys have seen that old Blade movies, right? Yeah. Busted Snipes. Okay, so they were amazing, but they were dark, they were violent, right? So they're not doing that this time around. And some people are like, come on, it's Blade. But I just think it's, it's kind of interesting where with violence, we accept it, I think, as a culture. But the second there's anything that sucks, it's like, oh, you're immediately like illegitimate Patty and you're not a real writer. And it's like, well, that's interesting. If I had just had people's heads exploding, like, yeah. people mm-hmm. would have had a problem. So it's kind of like you're not treated the same, which is just, you know, it's just an interesting observation that I've made in the time I've been writing and like telling people about my stories and stuff. So. Yeah, but totally valid question. I know my family would ask me the same if they knew about my writing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and plus, like, and, and to your point, like, it does kind of speak about speak to the whole like the subtle and not so subtle puritanical streak that kind of like runs through our society, where it's like you know people aren't opposed to like like I remember like I, when I was a kid, like you know my parents wouldn't be opposed to seeing me watch Arnold Schwarzenegger as a Terminator blow off, mm-hmm. you know, some dudes' heads. Mm-hmm. But the minute they saw a nipple on the screen, it's like, <gasps> shield your eyes. What are you doing? What are you watching? <laughs> yeah, my parents was like that too. Yeah, and and I and, right. and thinking about it now, you know, as I got older, I'm like, wait, that's so weird. Like my parents freaked out whenever they saw a nudity, but if they right. saw like some like gory violence, they're like, eh, it's okay, it's whatever. Cool. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> not, it's not. It's not real. Right. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 to your point, like um, the whole and that kind of translates to to like to like the the, the thing that you've encountered where like. You know, you, you kind of have your legitimacy as a writer question because you mm-hmm. you do write about like sexual themes, but if it was like mm-hmm. about violence, then people would be like, "Oh my God, this is this is amazing!" Like we, we right. need to read more. And it's like and it's yeah. like hmm. and like it adds more legitimacy. I've noticed that it's yeah. like, oh snap, like it's art. You know, like I'm not saying there's anything wrong with. I want to see Joker too, but like if it's a comic book movie and it's art, and I get it, but it's like, oh my God, I have to see it. Like it makes it cooler. But like like you said, anything with sex, it's like okay, you're illegitimate now, and it's like why is that? So it's just it's like you said, it's like the culture sometimes I think, and it's just people like reflecting that and feeding that back. But it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And, and plus, like, you know, it, you know, it, as, as long as you write it well and if, it's, if you have an interesting hook, you know, then, you know, you'll, you'll get people to tune in. I mean, and, and plus there are some, there are some, you know, there's some erotica that's written terribly, like the Fifty Shades series. Oh, my God, you know. yeah. Awful. She was a Twilight. That was Twilight fan fiction. Yeah. And then yeah. she changed the names. Mm-hmm. But to your point, it's that just wasn't written well. So people don't get that either, though. Like, you can have well-written erotica. You can have trash erotica. People think it's like they sweep it all in, all under the same. And it's like, well, if you write well, you write well, right? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, why when I get to a sex scene with, like, my writing skills just, like, disappear it's so interesting if you guys i don't want to i don't want to go off topic or make this like a different rating than you guys want but okay i don't know if y'all are as crazy as party nerds they're nuts we're close we're close we're our own but we're not too we're not too different from those guys no but like i did a lot of research for save me from sl and one of the main characters works at a sex club you know it's like look it happens we have sex workers in our society and I based him, just to, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep it 100. I, I based him a lot on Christina Rose, right? I, I do like her, like, as a person. I, again, I don't know why it's so crazy to just say that, right? It's like, oh, my gosh, if you're in porn, you're not a real human being anymore. It's like, well, then what are they, right? So it's like I looked them up sometimes on social media. But a lot of the things she talked about really informed a lot of the story. And she would say how people assumed she was an idiot. Um, Mika Tan is another. She's a real one, Mika Tan. And she actually got her major in biomedical engineering. But she was like, okay, but because I've been in porn, people, again, think I'm stupid. And it's like, I also hate that, right? It's like we dehumanize them because it's convenient for us. You know, like people want to act a certain way, but it's like, you hate my stories, but did you go on Pornhub yesterday? Do you know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. like, there's such a hypocrisy to it. And it's like, fine, if you've never watched porn, then I guess you're like the Pope or something. Most people have probably just pulled it up out of curiosity. But they denigrate, right, the people that are in porn. Like, they do it all the time. And I just don't like doing that for anything. You know what I mean? I like to just look people up. I get interested. So it it seems off topic, but it's not really because it's what I based, like I said, one of the main characters in the story I'm writing now on. And it's just so interesting how people, you know, dehumanize them all the time. But then it's like a lot of you will just get your quick, you as universal, get the quick 15-minute fix on Pornhub, move on with your life. But it's like that person you're denigrating just, like, did that. You know what I mean for you? So I, I think it's such a weird way to look at things in this society. So that's a lot of what informed his character and his part of the storyline. And people don't think it's that deep, though. It's like, oh, Patty, what did you do when you're just making stuff up? It's like, well, no, you got to put the work in. And that's the problem, um, Victor, like you said, with someone like Fifty Shades of Grey. She didn't put the work in. you got to do some research on the BDSM lifestyle if you want to write it. She didn't do anything. You could tell. It was just a fantasy of her with Edward, the main guy in Twilight. That's all it was. And for me... I want to put the work in. I want to do the research. And a lot of the things people just kind of, like I said, denigrate or put to the side. When you look into it, it's not always the case. And when you think about it, it's like, why would it be? Why do you think you're better? You as universal. They were seeing a rose. Like what? Because I went to work today with 50 positions to recruit for, and I got screamed at for something I didn't do. She might have had a better day today than I did, even being on a porn set. So it's so interesting. It's not to get philosophical. But, and Carl, like, you know what I mean? Like, I haven't tried to, uh, Victor as much. You 
seem like you can get deep. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is just so much more, right? It's like you're supposed to look down on certain people and think that you're better. But it's like, I don't know that she had a worse day than me. We're just supposed to think, oh, well, she's having sex for money, so it must be horrible. I'm sure parts of it is, and she admits that. But then she was like, it's better than the job I had before. And that's the part, you know what I mean, that you're never even supposed to think about. So I try to explore stuff like that in the story. But then somebody will go, oh, it's just sex. So that's what's so interesting to me about people's reactions to it sometimes. And then luckily you have a writing instructor here too as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was a former writing instructor like essays and wait whatnot. victor you were i didn't know that yeah i i used to uh, teach as an adjunct at my local community college here in Rhode island oh uh, i had no idea okay yeah but um but you know it, i don't know what you think about me right <laughs> no no but no no it's, it's actually interesting because like i've actually been trying to um, like dabble in creative my own creative writing as well i've been telling you to do it forever and, and i like I've, I've i find myself like uh, coming up I've, I've come up with a couple of interesting ideas um, and like where I'm, I'm kind of having like a, like a little roadblock where I'm kind of trying to think about, okay, what direction I can take each story idea, um, and whether or not it should be a short, should it be kind of serialized? Um, I also, I also try to think of, okay, how do I make these characters like sound like, like how do I work with characterization? You know, do I have strong right. characterization? How do I work with dialogue? You know, so, so for me, it's kind of a process. So I was, you know, kind of wondering like how you kind of navigate those uh, those blocks as well. Like, how do you work with dialogue? Uh, how do you work with, like, mm-hmm. different uh, characterizations? Like, how do you get over right. characterization? Things like that. Yeah, that's a great question. It's funny because I, I was actually reading A Reason to Live. That was the first story I mentioned in 2017. 30,000 words about the bartender and the college student dropped out, right? Mm-hmm. And I was reading some of the dialogue. Um, it's really good, in my opinion, but it was a little stilted. So, like, even in the span of two years, we're not talking five years or anything, I could notice the difference. And, Victor, like, to me, we were talking about, how do you make them actually real people, right? Because sometimes I get in my own head. So I'll say, okay, this is what's happening. There's a vampire. There's a, you know, an incubus. There's a this. There's a that. And there's going to be alien gods, and there's going to be ghouls. And it's like, that's great. (laughs) That's the plot. But you know, get it back here. And like you're saying, the characterization, um, I notice sometimes what I'll do as well. I'll have my massive outline, like 10,000 plus words. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just get tired sometimes. And I'll be like, Oh, okay. Does this not work? You know, like, so I, I've been writing semi for myself since last February, but as I started to go through, I was like, Oh, okay. Is this only going to be 85 K? Like I, I was trying to get to hundred. So things like that, Victor, I think is what you're talking about. Like you have to look at the story sometimes and be like, there's no way Lee Tuck and Heetel would get from chapter 15 to what I wrote in chapter 17. So um, more to your question, though, or not question, but I, I encourage you to write. Maybe I'll put it that way. Okay. creative writing because um, everybody, I think, has something to say. Um, and it's hard sometimes figuring it out. But just the questions you're asking show that you're doing it the right way. That person that just kind of rushes it out, right, and is like, hey, here's 50K. A lot of times they have those plot holes. They they drop subplots, right? They drop a character back in chapter five, and I'm at the end, and I'm like, whoa, do you even remember that you were, like, setting this up? And, you know, you can tell that it's somebody that, like I said, just kind of wanted to get a story out there to get it out there. Um, but, yeah, those, those are things that I'm always working with, even with my outlines. It's just, like, you have – I always have the idea of what I want to do, and I always know how my stories are going to end. 
And then it's like sometimes just figuring out how to get there in a way that's realistic, that's going to feel real, like, to the reader. Yeah. Totally. Now, I have a, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on this. Now, uh, this was something that we've talked about on our show before. Now, um, I know I know Ed for sure is a game was a Game of Thrones fan. I'm not sure if you was as uh, well. Neither one of us was actually, but um, really? no, <laughs> he he was the only one of party nerds that didn't watch it. So oh, I never seen. I don't have if you have never seen it. Oh well. Sorry. Yeah. Did I really uh, <laughs> no, it's all right, but no, it doesn't. It's still, it doesn't really hurt my uh, question though. But I wanted to hear your thoughts on uh, when the showrunner said that what was it? Themes were for third graders. Or oh, something? oh, I think I think it was either uh, Benioff or DB Weiss who said that themes are for eighth grade book reports. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think I have a similar opinion to that as what I have to Stephen King's comment about you know what he said is I can open a book. And if you have an outline, I'm going to know. I don't even have to finish a chapter, and you didn't write it the real way. I felt that that was over the top, right? Like, if you prefer people that are kind of woo like you, and like, I'm going to throw it against the wall and see what sits. But you can't say that no one else who uses an outline is writing well. So to the point about the themes, um, I don't agree with that. He might think that it's sophomoric, but... What he said to me, it was like too universal, right? I don't necessarily have a problem with somebody saying, for me, I don't like themes, right? I yeah. feel like they're limiting. I feel like they're inhibitive. I want to write what I want to write. But to say that they're for eighth graders, it's kind of insulting. And I just, I find that when people do that, even on the side I'm on Asian fanfics, it's usually coming from a place of insecurity, right? So like they'll lash out. Kind of like that. I feel like that's lashing out, right? Like you're insulting people, but you're insecure about something. Either the way you ended the story, you feel that you rushed through it. So yeah, I just feel like it's an unnecessary comment to make, especially the way that it sounds like it was made. Yeah, and and also too, uh, and I've mentioned this before, like when we reviewed the final episode of Game of Thrones, <laughs> where uh, where because of that mentality, you saw how the entire show had like had seven seven seasons worth of buildup for all these characters but yet it all meant nothing in the end and <clears throat> and like it, it and it, it really for me that show it really killed uh, my interest in a lot of television shows moving forward because <clears throat> because that show yeah. like it was a huge investment of time right and the mm-hmm. fact that all the all the and the fact that it, it resolves such in such a shoddy way uh-huh. like like any other show that a lot of people hype, like for example, a lot of people hype, are hyping The Boys on Amazon. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm not interested in that. Like, like because what? Because really like like, what if it ends in the same way? Or like, what if like certain shows that get so much hype and praise, and they, and you have like three or four seasons worth of material, and then all of a sudden it yeah. ends, you know, just lack, just all lackluster. It's like, oh. But the great. one thing I will say though, Victor, for that is that it's not. Like, you can watch all of the boys, and I don't know how much has been uploaded, but if it's one season, maybe in a weekend or two. The worst thing to me about um, Game of Thrones was it was HBO. So it was still that episodic, you're waiting every, what was it, Sunday? You're waiting every yeah. Sunday. Yep. Damn, that's a long time over seven seasons. Whereas at least, like, with binge-watching, right, you're not necessarily giving up as much time as it's spreading out over once a week. But I hear what you're saying because I know so many people that were so disappointed 
play Game of Thrones. Like, even on as pop, you know, on Party Nurse, they were like, what the F was <laughs> Like, basically. Oh, we were, like, too. No. <laughs> we definitely, we definitely were, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and also. It's not. Yeah. And also, real quick, uh, there's a YouTuber who I who I follow, which I recommend. Like her video essays on film and television are phenomenal. Um, it's uh-huh. L- Lindsay Ellis, um, uh-huh. and she has a and she has a uh, she had a, a really interesting breakdown on the final episodes of Game of Thrones. It, the episode is called Dragon Lady Bad, um, <laughs> and she kind of breaks down like all the flaws of like the final season and how that actually destroyed the integrity of the series. And yeah. it was like, man, like, and she kind of broke down like how the show, the show's theme of its handling of the theme of power, and how uh-huh. that was kind of botched, and how that like kind of uh-huh. affects affects your whole perception of the series. So that was a really uh-huh. interesting video. You should definitely check that out. It's from Lindsay Ellis. No, thank you. I'm gonna look at it because I've told people before. Like, I look at screenplays. Like, I'm telling you, like, I buy them sometimes. Nowadays, mm-hmm. I'll read them online. You can learn so, in my opinion, you can learn so much about writing because. Okay, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I don't know if you guys have seen that yes. by Michelle Gondry. Mm-hmm. It is one of my favorite movies. Same. I have 90,000 words to get across whatever I want to get across to save me for myself. Mm-hmm. In a movie for a script, you have two hours. You know, unless you're like, you know, Casablanca level of greatness, right? Like, especially in this day and age of Snapchat, like who's going to sit around for three hours for the most part? So I always go through them just to see, like, how do they do it, Right. Because you're getting across so much and having to build the world and get the audience invested in your characters so quickly. So I just thought about that because you were talking about how she broke down, like, the mistakes that were made. And you can also learn from that. So thank you. I'm going to definitely check her out. Sounds interesting. And I noticed, too, with, like, a lot of – with a lot of TV shows, like, it's – it seems like it's very – hard to close like a lot of, a, a lot of t- tv shows are like that because of you know the writing directions like um okay obviously you know we just broke down game of thrones there was also uh sons of anarchy which uh which i thought was cool but it could have ended better and it, it was a lot of shows There's a lot of shows are just for some reason i don't know what it is like you know you're yeah. a writing instructor you're a writer like why is it so hard to close like to close a show or to I mean, it's anything. interesting. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And I know this is going to seem random, so bear with me. But hey. I thought it's something like when WWE was trash, and we're talking about like two days ago, because <laughs> it's just starting to become not trash. But um, somebody had gone to Vince and said, why don't we bring story Bibles back? You know what I mean? You guys might know this. You're really into wrestling like Edis. But I couldn't believe it. Edis is the one who got me into wrestling. I never watched wrestling before I met Eddie at Rutgers. But I was like, how can they not have story Bibles? I'm like, for, for continuity's sake, it's every week. It's episodic. There's so many characters. There should be overarching things. But he refused. So it was somebody in creative who tried to push him. And, you know, if you push Vince sometimes, like, you're going to get punished for it. But um, to answer your question, to me, sometimes I think it's a lack of, even if they have the story Bible, then it's some kind of a lack of the intricate planning that should go with it, right? Because you've got the week to week. Then you also should always have that overarching storyline that is tying everything together. You should have some kind of an idea. And I don't know politics at a network or something. I know that's going to affect the length of your series. Mm-hmm. But some kind of an idea of how long you would want it to be, like as the showrunner or the writer. Because then at least, like, right, like if Fox comes to you, like, you know, Firefly, and it's like, hey, you're done in two episodes. 
you could at least look at your story Bible and say, okay, I have two episodes, not five seasons. What can I get across? So I think it's that lack of having a story Bible or the planning that should go with it that causes it to go wrong. Because Carl, to your point, I feel like they're just throwing it out there sometimes. Like, oh, let's just do this. And where the audience is like, you totally left us hanging, you know, for multiple seasons. So, yeah. yeah. Like, because like when Avengers Endgame just had a beautiful ending to, Mm -hmm. what, 10 years, 10, 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. Of story mode of one universe, and it's just been, it's just so hard for like a lot of other writers to do so. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and no, al- definitely. Yeah, and and also too like with uh with with the with the MCU now that you mentioned it like yeah. it helped that you had um they had one executive producer who mm-hmm. who was actually who actually did an excellent job of organizing like the direction of each story you know, had like a vision and then, and then let the filmmakers kind of, you know, work within that to make sure that that vision was kind of uniform. Right. And, and you know, it, it, it has it has more, in my view, more more ups than downs. Um, the downs are noticeable. But, like, that's an example of having a coherent vision from the beginning, you know, making right. a few adjustments as needed and then getting to a logical uh, conclusion that ties up everything and makes sense and actually rewards your time as, a, as an audience member. Right. Yeah, or, but that's what it is. It's like you're talking about the vision, right? Yeah. Like, it has to be coherent. That's a perfect word. Because I remember with Suicide Squad, like, that was a something show, I won't say. Oh, but, you can um, say it. Trust me. We swear all the oh, time. You, you okay, okay, I don't know. <laughs> it was a shit show, right? Yes, but it's it like, they made them go back and change the colors and lighten it. And if you had a strong person at the helm, mm-hmm. that was like, it's not the colors. That's making people not see your movies. Trust us. Mm-hmm. It's the writing. It's the, the lack of consistency. But they went back and they changed the colors and grind it. And nobody liked the damn movie. But now that Aquaman's come out, Wonder Woman's come out, you've had those DC films that, that are like, okay, like they're starting to kind of get their bearings. And the Joker just looks phenomenal, in my opinion. So, yeah, you have to have somebody that's also going to just bring people back if they're kind of losing focus, but kind of have that strong vision and make sure everything is cohesive. Absolutely, and and like I mentioned earlier, that's how DC is actually starting to course correct uh, with their films, uh, uh-huh. where they acknowledge a shared universe, but they're not building towards like an epic, like uh-huh. uh, a justice, another Justice League, because we don't need another Justice League film. We do not. Exactly. <laughs> at least, at least not one by directed by Zack Snyder. But uh, no. <laughs> he he had a he had a major hiccup. He did, to say the least. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, Carl, you had a. Uh, uh, did you have any other? I actually did. I thought I was kind of piggybacking off of it. Okay. Yeah, but um, but yeah. Um, uh, speaking of speaking of um, well, not comics, but, but not just comics, but like art as a whole. Um, what are some other? What are some of your inspirations as a writer, uh, or as an artist? Like, what are some other uh, sources like movies, comics, games that you look at and go, man, Ooh, what's that? Was that so I can... Sorry, I had to show you guys this. So this is okay. Battle Angel Alita. Um, so by ah. Yukito Kishiro. Um, and it's Angel of Redemption. So I'm not sure how well everyone can see it. But this comes to mind. Eddie got it for me. So I had it a while ago. It's kind of a long story. I, I lost a lot of my anime manga, unfortunately. But um, they had a... I think it was 20th anniversary. But here's the story with this. So I read this for the first time when I was 16. So 22 years ago. Um, so I bought it. And I just obsessively read it every day at lunch. 
Um, and I, I didn't really have friends at my lunch period um, in high school. Like, I'm, I'm pretty quiet, actually. So um, it kept me company, though. Like, it, was, it sounds lame, but, like, literally, legitimately, it, it's so interesting. There's so much going on. And I didn't see the movie. I'm a keep it real. Like, I don't know, right? Like, I had the manga. I didn't really feel like I had to go out and do that. But um, this has such an impact on me. Um, it might not be immediately noticeable necessarily in my stories. I will say the one thing that is noticeable is Angel Sanctuary. I cannot tell you an anime or manga that has had more impact on me than that. Um, in fact, I'm sure there are people, I'll be honest, if they read Forbidden Angels, that's one of my stories, there are similarities. And it wasn't that I was trying to lift from the author or anything like that. Carrie Yuki is her name. I think it just influenced and impacted me so much. So when I first sat down, I was like, I want to write a real genre story. So I had a mild sci-fi story about like an android and a brothel. It was kind of like a random story. But I was like, I want to write something like with multiple levels. I think like she was in my mind so much. I can't tell you how intricate Angel Sanctuary is, um, but it's just like demons and angels and God and Lucifer. And it's, it's never what you think. And the main character, Setsuna, is a 16-year-old boy. I, again, sorry, the themes are weird. He's in love with his sister. I, that's so, it's like, that's already weird, right? So I was convinced to read him. I didn't want to give it a chance. But then what happens is he actually has an angel, Alexial, that is trapped inside of his body, okay? Mm -hmm. God sealed Alexial. Oh, so Victor, you know Angel Sanctuary? Uh, no. You, oh, oh, sorry <laughs> that you were nodding like, okay. No, so he, he trapped Alexial inside of um, Setsuna's body. So that every time she's reborn in a different human body, she dies a horrible death and she feels everything that that person is feeling. It gets so much more intricate than that. There's a sword that's immortal. I can't literally, it would take me hours. Um, all of that stuff is happening 300 years before the story even starts. So when you start the manga, it seems typical about a computer game in Japan that's killing people. But then you find out that the girl playing the game, her brother is Satsuna, and you find out about the angel. So, yeah, that would be my answer. I thought of this because this one, too. I might even get this, a tattoo. You know, so I'm a dad, dad hates tattoos. But, um, yeah, definitely Angel Sanctuary. I mean, if I could ever write anything approaching that, I would die happy. <laughs> nice. Oh. Yeah. And uh, man, it was just on the tip of my tongue, and I lost it. <laughs> Oh, brain fart right now. I, bl I blame the yeah. white claws. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, white claw will do that to you. It was that. It was that. Bad. I definitely don't want to try it. It sounds. Don't. I don't even like regular seltzer water. So. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh. Now. Now. Uh, I take it that you're also uh, into films. Uh. Right. Yes. Um. Let's see. Are there any uh, films uh, this year that that you would highly recommend? Films that really stood out to you as like, oh man, this is like one of the like one of my favorites of 2019 so far? It's a hard question because I don't see movies that much uh, that are of today's period. So to be totally honest, I watch a lot of classic movies. Okay. I will say a movie that stood out to me so much that I did a YouTube review on it is a movie called Ex Machina. I don't know if you guys saw that yes. a couple of years back. Mm -hmm. It's like gave me goosebumps, honestly. Like I rushed home. Eddie, of course, was with me. But I filmed my review. He fell asleep, so you can hear him snoring in the background. But it was just so well done. The mm. writing, I thought, was on point. Just like they nailed and hit every single thing. 
I normally don't feel like that with recent, it's just my opinion, but with recent movies, I'm like, okay, but this was off or that was off. I thought that was amazing. Um, Pandorum is another one. Maybe people don't like it as much as I do. 2007 sci-fi movie. Didn't make any money, but I don't know why. It was an absolutely amazing movie. Um, Sunshine with Cillian Murphy. Mm -hmm. If you guys can see that film. Did you see it in 2009? Yep, I saw it. It was incredible. I mean, just like thinking about the end of that movie. Oh, I'm sorry, Carl, I won't. won't Oh, yeah, no, trust me. I'm writing that. I always take take, some notes and write down what people recommend to me. It was amazing. So those are some of the ones. So not not 2019, because I don't think I've seen anything. I didn't like Avengers as much as everyone else. I, I don't know because I tag along with Eddie sometimes. So it's like, if I don't want to see it, you know what I mean? It kind of doesn't hit me the right way sometimes. Um, but I don't know if I've seen anything else this year that stands out to me a lot. But Joker, though, really looks like Ad Astra I wanted to see. With Eddie Ezra <laughs> yeah. not seeing it with me. Yeah, Ad Astra is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I really okay. like that. It, it it did it did remind me a lot of Interstellar, uh, vi- especially visually, because that's the same cinematographer. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, Ad Astra, I highly recommend. Um, Amazing. Uh, High Life, which is which is more of a which is more of a sci-fi art house film. That's with Robert Pattinson. Uh, that one was oh, really I was good. Oh, I don't know that one. Yep. Okay. Um, also on the for for dramas, um, I do recommend um, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, uh, which yeah. is one of my favorite films. Uh, also, The Farewell, uh, which stars Aquafina. Um, and are, are these all indie films? I haven't heard of them. Yes, yep, those are independent films. Yep. I'll look them up, though. Okay. Yep. And, uh, and I'm sure you've seen or uh, or heard of Us by Jordan Peele. Oh, yes. I, yeah. I haven't seen it, but I've, I've heard of it, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. that's a phenomenal, phenomenally written film, too. Yeah, so now you uh, have you actually drawn any type of inspiration for your writing from any of like the classic films? Because you know, this is a this is the big film guy right here. Like he, and it's funny how you mentioned that you did a YouTube a YouTube review of Ex Machina, because he actually did the same yeah. thing. I did too. Yeah. <laughs> oh really? Oh, I have to. I'm gonna have to watch yours and kind of compare it to mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was on my uh, old YouTube channel. I mean, it's, which is still up. You just type, you just type my name in, and it, it'll pop up. Yeah, it was the last Donna, video I did. I'll find it on here because it's your uh, Skype name. But yeah, I'm, yeah, I'll look that up because um, I kind of have my own thoughts and everything. And I, I remember I wanted to do it as soon as I got home so that I wouldn't forget anything because I didn't take notes, right? I didn't know it was mm-hmm. gonna like blow me away. But no, um, but Carl, to answer your question for the classic movies. Um, I don't know that they've necessarily actually no, I'm gonna change that answer. Great time to Yuma. Now talk about the original. I'm not talking about the remake with Christian Bale. So the original with Glenn Ford. That is a clinic, in my opinion, in writing. So in acting too, I'm a Glenn Ford, please. I dragged Eddie <laughs> to see Gilda with me in Princeton. Like I love classic actors and films, but three ton of Yuma is just so good. In my opinion, the ending was a little, but like they had to make it like that because of the time period they were in. So I, yeah. I won't want to spoil it for you more than that. Other than that ending that was tacked on because of the time period the movie came out, there wasn't a wasted moment, nothing. So, um, I would say, like, although I haven't written something of that theme, although I love Western, um, the idea of, like, don't waste moments, right? Like, have your writing be incisive. Keep the reader engaged. Like, I, I learned a lot just from watching that movie. That movie was amazing. Yeah, yeah, interesting with 310 to Yuma. Like, for me, it's the rare example of the 
remake actually being better than the original. And I like the original, but I... Oh, I did, really? Yeah, I, I did prefer James Mangold's 2007 version, because I thought it improved on the story in some ways, uh, especially, with oh. the, especially with the characterization. But I, but I do like the original. Yeah. Okay, but I, okay, yeah, because I'm glad, I don't know, it's hard when you replace Glenn Ford, man. Yeah. Glenn Ford was one of a kind, I don't know that I can do all of that, but um, that's, I wonder what the changes are. I might, ha I might have to hit you up on Instagram. Um, do you just tell me like what some of the change? The ending, like I said, was weak, but it was you know at the at the time they couldn't have ended it the way we would end it today. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I, I don't know how they ended it with the Christian Bale version, but I think you know the scene I'm talking about, Victor, right on the train. Yeah. With yeah. one, I mean, come on, like right, like they didn't have a choice. I'm sure the scriptwriter didn't want to do that, but mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, that's amazing. Oh yeah. And also, you mentioned Gilda, which is actually a really good film, too. Classic oh, Rita Hayworth. I love it. Eddie had never seen it, right? And I was like, there's a, um, oh, I'm sorry, you guys are in Rhode Island. I keep forgetting how far you are. But there is a um, theater near us in Princeton that shows all sorts of classic movies. It's like $6.50. I work in Princeton. I'm like, hey, Eddie, I want to go. So we went out on a Thursday night, and it was such a good, like, you know, I've seen it a million times. My dad started to me in high school. Um, but he was like, Patty, it was amazing. And we had a Hayworth, you know, and I'm like, yeah, no, like, so. Nice. Um, yeah. Now, uh, speaking of classic films, are you also an Alfred Hitchcock fan? Um, so I've seen a couple. I've seen Psycho, which I loved. I've seen Birds, loved. Um, uh, what's the one, Vertigo, is that the one with Kim Novak? Yeah. Yep. Okay, Vertigo was really good. Um, I don't remember all of the one with Doris Day. Doris Day is my favorite um, movie actress. But do you know with Six You Get Egg Roll? Is that Hitchcock? You know what I'm talking uh, about? The one with Kate Sarah Is that a Hitchcock? I'm not sure. Uh, Maybe it's not. But then those are the three that I've seen. I mean, he was a master. The scene I remember is where the car is sinking really yep. slowly in Psycho. Yep. And you're, like, rooting for it to sink, even though, like, as the audience, you're supposed to be against the guy. Like, mm -hmm. that's just clever writing or the shower scene. So, I mean, he was just the best. Yeah. Rear Window I've seen, too, with Jimmy Stewart. Uh, I think that was him, right? Yeah, Rear Window. That's actually yeah, my favorite Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw the remake for that one. The remake was good. You'd be so, like, people are, would be surprised with, um, what's the name of the guy who was in Transformers? Um, Shia LaBeouf? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a good movie. Like I usually don't really see a lot of the remakes, um, but I, I thought it was good. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you ever actually um, see yourself writing a screenplay at all? You know, I don't, just because that two-hour thing is hard. Like, yeah. um, but I'm not somebody like there's people who write five hundred thousand. I haven't been able to get to a hundred thousand words yet. I don't want to get so obsessed with the word count. And Victor, you might be familiar, like even at the writing group, no shade or anything, but they'd always be like, what's your word count? What's your word count? Like even their sticker for their group, like the slogan was, what's your word count? It's like, okay, at some point, right? Like to me is about the story. It's not like I could put filler in too and get to a hundred K. So I've never thought about it. Um, but to your point, um, Carl, like I pull so much inspiration from it. Like I actually have the screenplay for Eternal Sunshine. I bought it back then. Um, and the movie came out in 2003 just because I just thought the movie was so brilliant. And I, Victor, I don't know if you both saw it, but Clementine and Jolie, just the, the differences in their characters. And, you know, when you think back, we only saw Joel's point of view. Mm -hmm. Like you really thought Clementine was some flighty, whatever. Maybe she was, but 
Joel was not perfect. Like, you could see that he was writing in his journal and never talking to her about his feelings. So even that was clever because I think the movie really kind of turns you against Clementine. Like, oh, she drove drunk. It's like, she was buzzed. Like, you know what I mean? You work with people that have six drinks at happy hour. They're driving home. It's like, you don't think they're buzzed. So it was really interesting the way they did the film. Um, Things like that. So, um, yeah, it's a good question. Who knows? Maybe. Mm. But right now I'm just really focused on the stories. Nice. And, uh, yeah. And and also I, I do have one uh, one more uh, classic movie recommendation. Uh, since you mentioned Psycho, um, this movie actually came out in 1960, the same year as Psycho. It's called yeah. Peeping Tom. Have you heard of it? I heard about that. So I took a yeah. feminism film class at Rutgers, mm-hmm. and it was something that was brought up because it was so um, crazy for its time, for lack of a better phrase. And you saw like you know just from what they told me in the textbook, I was like, oh my god, like it came out in 1960. I never saw it, but I want to. Yeah, that that's an incredible film. Like, um, un, un, it was a film that unfortunately uh, it ended the career of its director, Michael Powell, because like people were like, oh, well, this is this is salacious. Why would you make a movie like this? And yet, in the right. same year, Hitchcock made Psycho. So it's it's, it's funny how <laughs> it's things all work like that that's way. what we're talking about though. It's all the tone, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. sometimes it's the tone. You'd be really surprised what somebody can get away with just yeah. with tone. And right. it's like two things are not that different, but like you said, that guy—I don't think he ever made another movie. No, he didn't. Yeah, and which which is a shame too, because like he's he was one half of one of the greatest directing duos of all time, the Archers. Him and um, uh, what's his name? Oh man, it was Michael Powell and mm-hmm. Emmerich Pressburger. There it is. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think people at that time were not ready for what he was serving because um not to spoil anybody it's a pretty old movie but there you know what our professor was saying was the woman who didn't get killed victor and i didn't see it so i'm going off of what my professor said back then she basically acted like his mother and she was like you will not do whatever whatever so some of the other women tried to get him to not get violent by being sexy or whatever but she figured him out and was like no i have to kind of use psychology on the guy so you know what I mean? I feel like audiences back then might not have been like receptive to that, but it's a shame because he sounds like he was brilliant. What my professor said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It's, it's definitely a, a great film. You can definitely check uh, track track a copy down. It's worth watching. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, um, also one other, one more, uh, a question about classic films. Um, are you familiar with the Criterion Collection? I've heard of it on TCM. Um, okay. If we're thinking about the same one where they release it for certain actors, um, is that what you're talking about? Uh, well, uh, TCM they did have a. It, it was like an old. Um, it was a former uh, streaming service called Filmstruck, oh, okay. which had oh, uh, a lot of turn yeah. classic movies on it and the Criterion okay. Collection. But yeah. uh, the Criterion Collection they have their own streaming service now, and it's like a whole okay. bunch of like classics and like art house movies and even some recent. Uh, indie indie yeah. flicks. It's a really really interesting uh, uh service uh and st- and boutique label studio. Like so, if you're looking for like uh really interesting uh Blu-rays and DVDs of like some unique uh-huh. films from past and present, that's something that's that's like a gold mine of like material right there. I'm glad you told me about that because real quick, like I was just telling Eddie that um you know so nowadays right if you're not on Netflix, if you if a movie comes out and it's out for two months or whatever the case might be. There's no DVD, there's no Blu-ray, and none of the streaming services pick it up. Now what? 
Mm-hmm. So what happened was there was a film that I have to get the name, but it won all these awards, but they didn't want to pay the studio um, for DVD Blu-ray and Netflix didn't want to pay for the rights. Neither did Amazon, blah, blah, blah. So but the fans of the film were like, wait, so we're never going to get to see it again. So they did a petition and actually not made them, but you know what I mean, right? Like got, got them to put it on DVD, but it's just something I thought of because there's so much, sometimes the technology is bad in that case. But that Criterion um, service sounds amazing. I hadn't heard about it. I'll look it up for sure. Because yeah. I, I love classic movies, like I said. I mean, that's like, I watch TCM all the time. I watch a lot of Westerns, too. But I'm into so many of the actors and actresses of that period. So mm, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, anything else you uh, I'm actually good at my end. This was actually this was pretty fun. I loved it because it spans so many different topics. Like I love things like that. And um, thank you guys for being open-minded. I, I know so many people that are like, screw your stupid stories about your stupid boy band kind of a thing. Like, And to actually be able to get to like talk about it and where I'm coming from and the actual plotting that's involved is amazing. So thank you. Yeah, oh, no, pleasure. Trust me, the pleasure was definitely all ours. And definitely uh, thank you for your support. For this punishment that I had to endure earlier tonight. (laughs) Carl, I did want to say, go back to tagging me on the Instagram post. You guys go live. I am working like 12 to 14 hour days right now. So that's why you haven't seen me. So like if that that notification doesn't go off, like a lot of times I'm still at work. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, But um, no, I'm excited for sure about what you guys think of AEW. I will admit like sometimes the violence is too much for me. I'm one of those lean people like... When Cody Rhodes' head, like, exploded uh, in the chair, mm-hmm. I don't know, the boss blade job, I can't, I don't have a strong stomach, so maybe he'll change it for TNT, but if oh, it yeah, continues he like will. that. Mm-hmm. He definitely will. Tony Khan, Tony Khan, like, addressed it right away that night, yeah. indicating that, okay, when we the go to TNT, shot? yeah, oh, like, when oh, they okay, go to we... TNT, they're not going to do it. It's not going to be that extreme. But okay. the pay-per-views are a whole nother story, though. week so i'm definitely excited me and brian from the uwl so yeah yeah i can't wait to hear your guys review of it and um you know we'll see what happens for sure so you guys thanks for having me on it was super fun thanks for thanks for coming on too like it was great thanks for you know all your support from you and the the whole entire and the whole entire crew like i was just i was literally just a guy following you guys on instagram and then we end up we end up all becoming friends 
That's what I was so glad for that. I remember I asked Eddie at one point, I'm like, how do you know this guy? If he's in Rhode Island? Because <laughs> I was so confused. I thought you were like part of the extended crew. And he was like, no, no, no. He hit me up on Instagram. I'm like, that's amazing for all of this to come out of that, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like, one, definitely, it's definitely yeah. one of the like huge like benefits of social media. Yep. Definitely. Well, you guys take it easy. Carl, don't drink any more of that. Oh, I no. I, I, I so want to throw this away, but uh, UWO is getting it. <laughs> but they get that, get that demon seed away from <laughs> Well, guys, I really hope I see you next year at Comic-Con. We're, like I said, we're going to be at that booze cruise. I'll be at it. I know all the party nerds are going to be there, too, hosting it. We'll see my IG stories. Right. I see, uh, Victor, I have to follow you on Instagram. I don't know if I'm following you. So I got to get your username from uh, Carl yeah. like after I hop off. But um, oh, Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I, actually, yeah. I actually have a new Instagram handle, so I'll, I'll give that to, to Carl. Okay. Yep. But, yeah, right. you'll see me on there, and I hope we can meet up. Have fun at Rhode Island's Comic-Con next week. I'll check the page to get, you know, your take on everything they're doing and uh, enjoy AEW. Yeah, definitely will, man. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Patty. Okay, thanks, guys. Have a good night. Uh, you All too. Right, you All too. Right, bye. Bye. And, uh, and thank you for watching. Thanks for listening. Peace out, nerds. Later.